0: Good morning. Our scripture reading today is Daniel chapter 2, 24 to 48. It's on page 9 and 10. Therefore Daniel went into Arioch, whom the king had appointed to destroy the wise men of Babylon. He went and said thus to him, Do not destroy the wise men of Babylon. Bring me in before the king, and I will show the king the interpretation. Then Arioch brought in Daniel before the king in haste and said thus to him, I have found among the exiles in Judah a man who will make known to the king the interpretation. The king declared to Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, Are you able to make known to me the dream that I have seen and its interpretation? Daniel answered the king and said, No wise men, enchanters, magicians, or astrologers can show to the king the mystery that the king has asked. But there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries, and he has made known to King Nebuchadnezzar what will be in the latter days. Your dream and the visions in your head as you lay in bed are these. To you, O king, as you lay in bed came thoughts of what would be after this. And he who reveals mysteries made known to you what is to be. But as for me, this mystery has been revealed to me, not because of any wisdom that I have more than all the living, but in order that the interpretation may be made known to the king, and that you may know the thoughts of your mind. You saw, O king, and behold, a great image. This image, mighty and of exceeding brightness, stood before you, and its appearance was frightening." Then the iron, the clay, the bronze, the silver, and the gold all together were broken in pieces and became like the chaff of the summer threshing floors, and the wind carried them away, so that not a trace of them could be found. But the stone that struck the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. This was the dream. Now we will tell the king its interpretation. You, O king, the king of kings, to whom the God of heaven has given the kingdom, the power, and the might, and the glory, and into whose hand he has given, wherever they dwell, the children of man, the beasts of the field, and the birds of the heavens, making you rule over them all, you are the head of gold." Another kingdom inferior to you shall arise after you, and yet a third kingdom of bronze which shall rule over all the earth. And there shall be a fourth kingdom, strong as iron, because iron breaks to pieces and shatters all things. And like iron that crushes, it shall break and crush all these. And as you saw the feet and toes, partly of potter's clay and partly of iron, it shall be, div- it shall be a divided kingdom, but some of the firmness of iron shall be in it just as you saw iron mixed with the soft clay. And as the toes of the feet were partly iron and partly clay, so the kingdom shall be partly strong and partly brittle. As you saw the iron mixed with soft clay, so they will mix with one another in marriage, but they will not hold together, just as iron does not mix with clay. And in the days of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that shall never be destroyed, nor shall the kingdom be left to another people. It shall break in pieces all these kingdoms and bring them to an end, and it shall stand for ever, just as you saw that a stone was cut from a mountain by no human hand, and that it broke in pieces the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, and the gold. A great god has made known to the king what shall be after this. The dream is certain, and its interpretation sure. Then King Nebuchadnezzar fell upon his face and paid homage to Daniel and commanded that an offering and incense be offered up to him. The king answered and said to Daniel, Truly your God is God of gods and Lord of kings and a revealer of mysteries, for you have been able to reveal this mystery. Then the king gave Daniel high honours and many great gifts, and made him ruler over the whole province of Babylon, and chief prefect over all the wise men of Babylon. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Long reading well done i've been ministered so beautifully already this morning thank you to that music team i mean nothing but the blood of jesus i mean maybe that's all we need to know this morning nothing but the blood of jesus i'm going to pray lord that is just so beautiful nothing else with you we have everything thank you for this word that you've given us this morning May you speak to us through it, in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're in this series on Daniel in, at the church that I pastor. And so you're getting it a little bit now. It's nice, though, because I get to do this because I'm preaching this next week. So it forces me to write it, not like last, on Saturday night, like yesterday, not the next Saturday night. So it's nice to have something organised. And this, this reading focuses on Nebuchadnezzar's dream. And so I wanted to give a little bit of context, a little bit of background first, and then just three things that I wanted to look at from this reading. The first is what the dream was. That's the first thing. What, is the dr- what was the dream? What the dream means is the second thing. And thirdly, what does the dream do? What does, it, what does this dream of Nebuchadnezzar actually do? So three things, what the dream was, what it means, and what it does. They're the three things we're going to do. Dreams. Dreams. We all have them. Sometimes we forget them. That might be a good thing, actually. Um, But uh, we all have them. Scary dreams, funny dreams, weird dreams. You know, when the MSG kicks in, they're pretty weird. Um, Sad dreams, embarrassing dreams. I once had a dream when I was a little... Boy, it was sort of a recurring thing in my primary school years where I would be standing in front of the classroom about to go in and I'd realise that I was naked. So any psychologists out there, you're probably going to have a field day with that one. Um, But you've probably had them. You might be able to relate to that one and the whole dream would be about trying to hide myself. Another dream that I had, well, I still sort of have, actually. It's a frustrating dream. I'm playing golf with my mates. It's a nightmare, actually. Uh, a, <laughs> and I'm, I'm putting the ball on the tee, and every time I go to hit it, the ball falls off the tee, and I can't play the shot. And I just, and then things happen, and I just can never actually hit the shot. And my mates are frustrated. I'm frustrated. I wake up, I'm snoring. Um, <laughs> and uh, that's the most frustrating dream. And I have sad dreams. I had a really troubling, recurring dream in my teenage years. Um, well, I dreamed that my dad died. It was a very sad dream. I think that was something to do with when I was just getting older and realizing that one day your, your parents die. It was a sad and troubling dream. Nebuchadnezzar's having this troubling dream. That's what's happening. That's what's happened in chapter 2, verse 1. He couldn't sleep because of his dream. And if you lack sleep, that's a, that's a form of torture. It's, it's a terrible thing, and it's brought Nebuchadnezzar to his knees. Now, you've got to remember that Nebuchadnezzar is the untouchable dictator, if you remember this from a month ago. Uh, he's got everything, uh, everything that a dictator could ever want, a huge empire, uh, a loyal army. Uh, he had just flexed his muscles and had taken the elites out of Jerusalem Remember, we learnt that out of Jerusalem and brought them into Babylon. I drew it up on the whiteboard. Someone said to me after the service, "That wasn't a great geography lesson, but it was a good history <laughs> lesson." Um, so, but that's what he's done. That's what Nebuchadnezzar has done. And people are waiting on him, hand and foot. Everything a dictator could want, he had. Yet, he was troubled. A dream had brought him to his knees. And this dream was a mystery. And so what did he do? He gathers what's called the wise men. These wise men together. They're magicians, enchanters, sorcerers and astrologers. Equivalent today of maybe political uh, consultants. That's debatable. But uh, social trend spotters. Or maybe just religious gurus. And he has brought them together and he wants two things. He wants two things. The first thing that he wants is he wants them to tell them what the dream was. And the second thing he wants is an interpretation of it. What the dream was and the interpretation of it. He's asking them what was the dream. It's like a no clue situation. They've got no idea. I remember as a kid we used to play a game called Trivial Pursuit. Do you remember that game? Classic of the 80s. Um, and when you would go for a chip, which was like the thing that won you the game, you had to get these chips in a little cylinder. For you who weren't born in the you know, if you weren't alive in the 80s, you're missing out. But the whole idea was when you went for a chip, it was a no-clue situation. Nebuchadnezzar's giving no clues. They've got no idea. It's like, just tell me what I dreamt about. And no one can do it. No wise man can tell him what the dream was. It's an impossible task. And so Nebuchadnezzar is so frustrated by this that he actually says that all the wise men are going to get it in the neck. They're going to die. They're going to be killed, including Daniel and his mates. And so the hunt is on for Daniel. And it's like a fox on a fox hunt. They're after him because he's one of these wise men. But we read before our reading today that Daniel uses wisdom Uh, he begs Nebuchadnezzar for some more time he gets some more time and then he begs his mates to pray they pray and God reveals the mystery to Daniel and then he praises God for it that's where we're up to and so in our reading today uh, Daniel is taken to Nebuchadnezzar to tell him what the dream was, what this mystery, mysterious dream was. You can read it there in verse 31 to 35. And my first point, what the dream was, Daniel tells him, pretty straight up, It's a dream about an enormous statue. So I was thinking of statues in Fremantle. At first, I thought about that statue down there in front of South Fremantle footy ground, you know, of the Guy taking the hangar, the specky at the front of that ground. It wouldn't have been like that. It's something far bigger. He's thinking of something like think of Rio Tinto. That's the biggest building in Perth, tallest building. That's what it was like in their eyes. This was an enormous, huge uh, image, and of a an enormous um, yeah, this enormous image which had a gold head on the top. It had silver and arms as a um, and, and a silver chest. A bronze belly and thighs, legs of iron and feet of iron and clay. But there's also in there this mysterious rock. This other character comes into play. There's this mysterious rock that smashes the feet of this huge statue and it blows it away. It's like this rock comes, it's a pebble, it hits the feet. All of it crumbles into dust. And then the wind comes and blows it away. That's what the dream was. But what's interesting, just two points here, is how Daniel describes to Nebuchadnezzar how the mystery was revealed to him, to Daniel. First interesting point, Daniel reminds Nebuchadnezzar that no wise man could explain this mystery. No wise man, enchanter, magician, diviner can explain to the king the mystery he has asked about. But there is a God, verse 28, in heaven who reveals mystery. No pagan god... No pagan god, no pagan magician can reveal this dream. Only God, the God of mystery, can reveal the mystery. It's the first thing that Daniel says to Nebuchadnezzar. But the second thing that I found interesting is verse 30. And it describes how Daniel uh, describes this revelation says, as for me, this mystery has been revealed to me not because I have greater wisdom than anyone else ever alive. Not because he's wiser than the wise men. This is an act of grace by God to Daniel. And it saves Daniel's life. Daniel is saying, it's not what I've done, but it's what God's done. It's not me, it's God. As Christians, when we share our faith, or we tell people why we believe what we believe, the gospel should cause us to do it like Daniel is here, to have a posture like Daniel, how this mystery was revealed to daniel you see most people in australia most people in our country most people in Fremantle, think that fundamentally what christianity is about is about being a good boy and a good girl and doing the right things so god will bless you that's what they think you and i believe but we know we don't contribute to salvation at all we don't join his kingdom by contributing to it. Nothing. He invites us in. It's not what we do, but what the King of the Kingdom has done. He lived the perfect life and died the perfect death. The life we should live, he lived, and the death we should die, he died. All that we deserve, all our sins fell on him, but all the blessings he deserves comes to us. God treats us if we like we had done everything that Jesus has done. That's the gospel. We can't boast it's what Jesus has done. When the Father looks at us, he sees Jesus, everything that he did is now ours. Now you know your life. You know it. You know what you think, you know what you've done, you know what you'll do, a lot of it's not good. Yet Christ's righteousness is given fully to us. How can we boast? It's not what we do. It's what God has done in Jesus. It's by his power That Daniel is saying that the mystery has been revealed it's by God's power that the mystery of salvation and we don't even get all of it we don't really even understand ourselves that he has saved us some of us even think it's still because we're smart or that we've got the we think the right way it's not any of that I don't care what political party you're with. I don't care what footy team you follow. I don't even care what church you go to. It has been revealed to you completely by him and nothing we have done. It's purely free grace and that is great news because it strips us of thinking we're better than anyone else because you and I put our pants on the same way. No one's better. This is the ultimate level playing field. Christianity is the most negative worldview you'll ever want to think about. It says you're far worse than you think you are. Far worse. But it's also the most beautiful and positive worldview that you could ever have because it says you're more accepted and loved than you could ever dare hope in Jesus Christ. So it saves you from complete falling depression, falling away, and dying and hiding under a tree for your whole life. But it also puts you, it stops you from thinking that you're great and that you're better because it's all Jesus as well. Daniel gets grace. Daniel gets grace. Now, we, we move into what, uh, into my second point here. What does the dream mean? in our reading. There's, there's been many theories and interpretation of what this, this dream means. Um, which empire is represented by which type of metal? You know, what, what it, what it, which element is it? Some have said that the gold is Babylon. I think that's true. The Babylonian Empire. But silver might be Persian. Empire, bronze, Sorry, uh, silver Persian, uh, bronze Greek empire and maybe the iron part there of this huge statue is of the Roman Empire. I don't think it really matters. People have gone nuts over this. Um, I think the way we're supposed to read this is that the gold head is Nebuchadnezzar, it says it there. But as we move down this statue, the statue becomes more and more brittle until we're left with feet of clay. And that's what I think we is the idea of this. That's where we get that phrase, you've got feet of clay from, by the way, from Daniel. Brittle feet of clay. All the man-made kingdoms are essentially weak and brittle and built on weak foundation. That is what Daniel's getting at. All the kingdoms of the world here are built on pretty weak foundation. They're going to fall away. That's what Daniel is trying to get across to Nebuchadnezzar. Now, we know that's true, don't we? In a meta sort of view, we understand that. We all go, yeah, of course. There's a new king in England now. The presidential race in the US is about to start. Uh, McGowan's just resigned. One day the coalition will be back in power, then it'll be back in the Labour, and then someone else, and it just goes on and on. But, what about in our own lives? See, we all have our own kingdoms. We set them up. We have them. We have good things in our lives that we make ultimate things and they become our, our kingdoms. Um, there's a, um, a theory. This is where I get to use the whiteboard. My favourite. There's a theory by economists. Economists cut the world up into... Uh, a, a way where they say goods and services are, are traded and there's one theory that every, there's five capitals in the world five capitals the way you can cut the world up economists always, they do this well uh, the, the first one is financial capital the second way is intellectual capital don't even know if I can spell that uh, third one is uh, physical capital. We all have physical capital. The fourth capital that they talk about is uh, relational capital. And the fifth element is sp- a spiritual capital. Financial capital, intellectual capital, physical capital, relational capital, spiritual capital. The world... Will teach you that that's the most important order as well. Number one, financial, make money, go to the right uni, make sure you eat well, you better have a family, and if you want, do yoga on the weekend. It's a little throw in, just for the spiritual guys, keep them happy, you know? But we do it a bit, but you know what? We do it. You know, we do this as well. So we go, actually, just, I better just keep my job going. I need to keep getting smarter. I need to read stuff and I'll go to the... Oh, here we are. This is where it gets messy. <laughs> but my, my point is we do... Sometimes all of us have these capitals around all muddled up and I think if you read the scriptures, I think Jesus flips them completely. Because I think he says that they're all important. But I think they get 10 times more important as they go up. Because Jesus says, seek first the kingdom. And then he says, love God with everything you've got and love your neighbour. It's the Jesus creed. He starts to come into the relational. This is, this is important, yeah? Sometimes as churches, we, this can be our biggest idol. We can make the family, the church, which is really important here, number one. And then we start maybe Spiritual. Today, I heard you guys talking about that you need more of this. Actually, the way to get more of this is to invest in more of this, to invest in more in this. Use these capitals to invest in what you need. But it starts here with spiritual capital. When we take these capitals and make them ultimate things and not Jesus, they rule our lives. We make kingdoms out of it. We make kingdoms out of it. And Jesus says that all of those things will be broken. Now, all of those will not last. Your wife or your husband's going to die, your kids are going to die, you're going to die. You'll put them in a box one day, or they'll put you in one. Where are you investing? Invest in them, but what... Jesus. Then this and worry about what you eat than the other things. They're important. I'm not saying that they're not important. But ultimately, this is about Jesus. Those other things are going to go. Gina, Gina Reihard, that, that she's not going to be the richest person in, the, in Australia for much longer because either someone else is going to get rich or she dies. What are you investing in? What are we investing in? So, Daniel is telling Nebuchadnezzar, this is what kingdoms are like, they fall away. Our own kingdoms fall away, but his kingdom never does. Which gets me to my third and final point. What does this dream actually do? What does it do in our reading today? Have you heard of the name Stephen Bradbury? Have you done a Bradbury? Bradbury? Um, maybe you haven't, let me remind you, or tell you for the first time. Stephen was a speed ice skater who performed at several Winter Olympics. He was a fine athlete, very good athlete, uh, but he became famous at the 2002 Salt Lake City Olympics, competing in the 1000 metre speed skating event. In the heats, so there's four people in a race, in the heat he won the heat. So he gets to the quarterfinals. To get to the quarterfinals, you've got to get in the top two. He came third, but on a technicality, the second guy got uh, disqualified, so he got through. So he's thinking, wow, this is amazing, I'm into a semi-final. He gets into the semi-final. As they're going around this track, you, I mean, if you've seen the race, it's crazy speeds. They're flying around. And one by one each of these three in front fall over and bradbury finds himself in a final i mean he thought i'd run a heat that was good now he's in the final in the final it's like the top th- top 3 skater speed skaters in the world and steve bradbury from northern queensland mate they don't even know what ice is that's all they do is swim and drink pina colada that's all he did so here he is in the final okay gets to the last race Flying around, it gets the very last, like 15 metres. And if you've seen it, they fall over. And Bradbury skates through. It's this great thing with his arms like this. Like he's 20 metres off the pace, just hanging out in the back, thinking of Noosa. All right? And there he goes through and wins. And all his opposition are prostrate on the ground. And that's what we see there in verse Forty-six. Look at it. Have a read. 46. Then King Nebuchadnezzar fell prostrate before Daniel and paid him honour and ordered that an offering and incense be presented to him. God, the great dream revealer, makes the most powerful pagan. Remember, this guy's got everything. The most powerful pagan lie prostrate before an exiled Jew who had nothing. See, the contest in the whole way through Daniel is will the might of the Babylonian empire and all its gods crush and destroy Israel, the small little state, and its God, Yahweh, that's the contest that's what's really going on in this whole book it's a battle between these two huge well one massive empire and one that looks absolutely hopeless it's even had all its people ripped out of it who's going to win and we see today that it's simply and straightforwardly it's the great god who wins and his kingdom endures forever For we are part of that great God kingdom that will endure forever. We're part of that. Jesus startled everyone when he started his mission on earth by standing up and announcing in these words in a loud voice, it says, the time has come. The kairos, the moment has come. The kingdom, the kingdom of God has come. Repent and believe this good news. The dream for everyone in Israel, including all these exiles, was that the kingdom of God would come. That's their dream. And when Jesus comes preaching about the kingdom, Daniel chapter 2, verse 44 is fulfilled in the time of those kings the god of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed it will never be destroyed in jesus the kingdom of god the society of god has come crashing into this world into history And the only way into this kingdom, into this dream society, is through the king, by grace, purely, by invitation only, through faith in the king. And it's a kingdom that has no end. The great God's kingdom endures forever. For you at Frio, he invites you again to say, invest, come, come again. Come again. We worship the great God. Frio Church worships the great God, the great mystery revealer, whose kingdom endures forever. Amen.